And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous, do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. The divisions of the priests and Levites are ready for all the work on the temple of God, and every willing person skilled in any craft will help you in all the work. The officials and all the people will obey your every command. First Chronicles 28, 9-10 and 20-21. Hi guys. We're back in the community building, so I'm kind of getting used to, oh, you know, let's go back to the community building and the schedule here. Um, I tell you, one of the things I do love about Loon Mountain Ministry is um, uh, at a young age, I was diagnosed with ADD and ADHD. And everyone says, no, duh, that knows me. Um, what's awesome about Loon Mountain Ministry is just about the time that the mountaintop church service kind of gets normal. We come to them in here, to the community building. And just about the time the community building, you know, church service gets normal for me, we go to the mountain. So I know that a lot of you uh, that are with us, this is not a normal schedule of kind of a normal church, right? Uh, but we all know that Loon Mountain Ministry is normal, not a normal church. And my guess is when I talk to you, one of the reasons why you're here is that Loon Mountain Ministry is not a normal church, right? And that's something that you guys are like, ah, we're cool with. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Those that are new and have never been here, maybe in the community building church or whatever, uh, this Sunday is a chance where we get to tell you all that we're doing and all that God is doing in Loon Mountain Ministry. First and foremost, we love that there are little ones here. That is awesome. And you know what? That's not every church. That's not every church. So we are really blessed by that. And I won't look at anybody when I say this, we're really blessed by there's some gray hair in the audience as well. I, I, I looked up here. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't spend, right? And you've heard me, if you've been here before, you've heard me say this. So in, in Maine, in Maine, where I used to live, uh, there are what they call trout ponds. And in Maine, they, they, they really preserve their trout ponds. They really make sure that trout ponds are preserved. And one of the ways that they test to make sure that a trout pond is healthy is they'll go and they'll fish for samples in this trout pond. And when I say a trout pond, I don't mean stocked, okay? There's a difference between a stocked trout pond and a native trout pond, okay? And a trout pond in Maine that's native is like, that's a really big deal. My friends here just moved down from Rangeley, Maine, and up near Rangeley, Maine, there's some native trout ponds, okay? Now, what the state does is they come in and they go fishing. And what they want to see is they want to catch a 3-inch trout, a 6-inch trout, a 10-inch trout, a 14-inch trout, 
an 18-inch trout and a 21-inch trout. That's what the state wants to see. If they're only catching, it might be fun to catch 18-inch trout, but if all they catch is 18-inch trout, they go, something's not right. Something's not right. In a couple years, there will be no more trout. If all they're catching is 3-inch trout, they go, hmm, something's not right. These, these trout are not maturing beyond 3 inches. Help me. Help me, church. Help me, Loon Mountain Ministry. No matter how long I'm here or how long we're all together, help us always look around us. And if we all look the same, would somebody blow a whistle? Would someone say, wait, time out. We're all three inches here. Wait, time out. We're all 18 inches here. Because what we do a lot of times, what we do a lot of times, is if we're all three inches, we go, oh, our church is hip, and old people don't like hip, and that's why they're not here. Or if we're all 18 inches, we all go, you know what, this new generation, they don't like church. They're not disciplined. They don't come to church. Right? What are we doing in each of those scenarios? We're casting blame, and we're not taking credit and changing the situation. So if that ever happens, you have full liberty to blow a whistle, kick me in the shin and say, Pastor, we all look alike and that's freaky. All right, that's freaky. We always want you sitting next to you, sitting next to you, sitting next to you, and sitting next to you, right? We want to all look different, but we all can wear Tom Brady jerseys. Amen. Amen. Oh. Anyone else have an antagonist for a child? <laughs> Love you, buddy. Um, thanks, Drew. Yes, Heidi. Awesome. So if your kids would like to go and play uh, in the kitchen, we have knives. I mean, we have, um, sorry. <laughs> that wasn't very nice. Oh, is that recorded? Oh, shoot. That's going on the World Wide Web. We're going down. State Health Inspector is going to be here. Um, no, we have some uh, some gals out back that would love to hang out and, and uh, to uh, hang with your ch children. Okay. We're going to get into our sermon for today. Um, I already was a little bit vulnerable with you and told you that I was uh, diagnosed with uh, ADD and ADHD early on. I also uh, want to be uh, vulnerable with you uh, about counseling. See, I grew up in a home, and I don't think they meant to do this, and I, I don't, you know, that counseling was for the weak. That couldn't be more wrong. That couldn't be further from the truth. Counseling is for the strong. It's for the folks that are wanting to say, hey, I don't want to stay as I am. By the power of the Holy Spirit, and I think sometimes what I grew up in is that, oh, counseling is not spiritual. Counseling is not of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's very, you know, secular or it's of, of, of the world, you know, psychology and counseling. Um, but over the past, oh, I don't know, uh, probably five to five-ish years, 
Uh, I've had a couple scenarios uh, where counseling has been a part of my life. Um, a couple years ago, I wanted to work on the relationship with my sister. And, uh, and so I asked if she'd go to counseling with me. And so I went and I did um, my intake, I guess they call it, um, the, you know, where the counselor met with me. Um, just recently, this last week, uh, I have started the ordination process for the American Baptist churches. It's kind of a cool process. Essentially what they do is they say, okay, Marcus, every scenario is different. You haven't been to seminary, but you have four years of Bible school. And now you have uh, 14 years of full-time ministry. And before that, you were born and raised in a full-time ministry home. So we're going to take into all that consideration. They interviewed me in front of a board, and they decided this is going to be the best track for you for ordination. And one of it is reading a book called The Baptist Policies and Practices. It is this thick. I want to jump off a building. Um, Another piece of it uh, was meeting with an American Baptist pastor, uh, a mentor who can walk me through that book. A part of it is writing an ordination paper with statement of faith and, and all of that. Jazz the calling on my life, explaining that. But another piece was what's called the psychiatric eval. And so it was two long days of meeting with psychologists and uh, a counselor, which... I actually was really, really, really excited about. I, I, I like that kind of stuff. I like to kind of dig in and see why things are the way they are. I love that. And uh, I did about 30 hours of work leading up to it, answering all these questions about my strengths and my weaknesses, uh, you know, how I deal with stress and all that kind of jazz. And what was funny is on day one, we did, I felt like nothing. At the end of the day, I'm like, I thought we were going to overturn some stones here. Come on, like, let's get digging. And the guy goes, you'll be back tomorrow. Don't worry. And sure enough, Friday we did, and it was long. But I, 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 part of this is just being real and open and honest in front of you as your pastor. And really this kind of came, this, this sermon kind of started to take shape a couple of months ago when I heard a sermon about ministry. And this morning is about telling you all that Loon Mountain Ministry does to minister. And what I'm finding in my life through counseling, through listening to sermons, to looking at God's Word, and just kind of to think, is that my life is defined by what I do and not who I am. And as your leader... You have to understand that about me. And it's something that the Holy Spirit is really working in my life. I can see it everywhere. I can see it just in this last couple of days of counseling. I can see it in the sermons that he's bringing to me and the scriptures that he's bringing to me. I can see it as he brings it up in conversations with other people without me even asking. This idea that I am defined by what I do and not who I am. So many of you know that I'm leaving on a sabbatical next summer. Uh, our whole family is going to be gone April 1 to September 1. And I have a mentor for that sabbatical. It's really kind of cool. He's a guy who wrote this book called um, Priming a Sabbatical for a Pastor. It's amazing how God has shown himself in this whole process. We were having a board meeting down in Concord, and um, the, the, literally a pastor that was walking by the board meeting room heard us say the word sabbatical. And he knocked on the door and put his head in. He said, listen, I don't mean to eavesdrop. I know this is going to sound bad, but I heard you say the word sabbatical. If you're thinking about sabbatical for your pastor or for somebody in your church, 
you need to read this book. And he handed in this book called uh, The Primer for Sabbaticals for Pastors. And I was like, oh, okay. You know me. I don't really like reading, but okay. So I flipped it open. I read the first three chapters. You know what I found out in the first three chapters? The author's from Concord, New Hampshire. How many times do you read a book and you're like, what? Get down the road. So a person who doesn't like reading, what do I do? I put the book down and called him. <laughs> Said, no, I'll take you to coffee. This is what's amazing about this guy. He's, he's, not, he's, not, he's very wise. He says, he, very, he didn't answer the phone, by the way. He answered my email. And his email literally said, read word for word, line by line, no skimming, and when you're done, email me. That's his only response. And I was like, dude, I'm getting ready for a sabbatical. I'm right up the road. Let's hang out. And that's all he said. And I was like, oh, man. Well, I took him up on it. I read line for line, word for word, got through the end. It was actually a pretty good book. And uh, I emailed him. He called me. Didn't answer, he didn't answer the email. He called me and said, what are you doing next Wednesday? I said, uh, uh, I got a slot between 10 and 2. He goes, great, I'm coming to you. What's your address? Uh, this is my address. He goes, make sure that your wife is there. I want to meet with her and you together. Okay. And he's mentored me through this. God is incredible. How many people read a book and then the author says, I'll meet you at your house. I'll mentor you through my book. It gives me goosebumps saying it. That's God. That's not me. That's God. Okay. And this is what this guy says to me. He goes, Marcus. Here's my challenge for you on the trail. We're hiking the Appalachian Trail on sabbatical. He goes, I want you to just be. Just be. I don't want you to do anything. There's a famous portion of Scripture called the Great Commission at the end of the book of Matthew where Jesus is standing on the hillside and he says, All power has been given to me by the Father. And I have shown you what to do. Now go into all the world and be my witnesses, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching all to do what I have taught you to do. And lo, I will be with you always. That's how the book of Matthew ends. And then Jesus hit the up button on the elevator and went right in their presence. That's a very famous portion of Scripture. Notice what it says. It doesn't say, I have called you to do my discipleship. The Bible says, you have been or you are, you, you are my disciples. Be my disciples, he says. Be my disciple. He doesn't say, do my disciple. He says, be my disciple. Now, because I have a problem with that, I am a doer of disciple of Jesus, not a being disciple of Jesus. I have incorrectly passed that to you. And one of the things that I'm learning, right, in my counseling, right, one of the things I wanted to, to do in this counseling session was learn how to work with people that I can tell don't really like me. And how to work with people that I don't really like. And what I'm finding is You'll never eliminate that group. We all know that, right? Like, you know, there will always be people that have something negative to say about you or you'll be frustrated by them. But a large portion of those people that are hard for me to work with actually are people that are picking up on the fact that I love people based on what they do and not who they are.
And there's a group of people that get that, and they push back on me. Now, there's a larger group of people that get that, okay, Marcus will love me if I do more for him, and they throw themselves at the ministry, they throw themselves at my vision, my mission, and they do like crazy. Some of them hang out for a really long time and love it because they love the mission, they love the vision, they love doing it with me, they love God, right? They're all about it. Others burn out really quickly, get very frustrated, cash it in, you know? And I wish people could articulate that. We can't. It's hard. Have you ever seen someone leave church? No, normally when people leave church, a church, they go away from a church, they say things like, well, the preaching didn't really make sense to me anymore. Or it wasn't feeding me. The music was too loud or they never started on time or they went too long or whatever, whatever the case might be. When have you ever heard anyone say this when they left the church? You know, we prioritized... And Sunday mornings are just a really good time to have family time or go to the beach or do something different than church. No one has ever said that in the history of Everness, right? But sometimes that's just true. Or the opposite. No one has really been able to articulate, you know, the lead pastor has an issue. He wants everyone to love him based on what he does, his skills, his attributes, his performance. And therefore, he puts it on everyone in his congregation that he only loves those that do for the ministry or for him. And if someone can articulate that, that would be awesome. Because that would be helpful. That would be very helpful to know that. And counseling has shown that to me. Has shown that I, that I get approval and praise for what I do and how good I am at my gifts, and I interpret that as love. But we all know that's conditional love, right? And then what happens is, that's how I receive, and then I give, I give by how much the people around me do. Folks, that combo right there grows a church. What has happened at Loon Mountain Ministry? We have grown a church. And though, don't hear me wrong. Don't, don't hear me saying that it's all wrong. No, it's not. There's some beautiful things. And actually, really, if you think about it, a majority of it is beautiful what God's doing. Because we all know at the end of the day, it's really not my gifting. It's really not... You know, me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the leading of the Lord. But if we just ignore some of the weaknesses of myself and the weaknesses of our body, that's not wisdom. That's not wisdom. So today I'm, I'm willing, for the sake of wisdom, and hopefully by the guiding of the Holy Spirit, to talk about some of those things that are like, Ugh. It's getting a little awkward in this building, huh? Right? But we need to. We need to. It's okay. And it's amazing how God works. Because I had determined two months ago that at this sermon, I would issue an apology. And I'm still going to. I'm building up to it. 
And what's amazing is I was supposed to have my psychiatric eval four weeks ago, something like that. But the, 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 the counselor, uh, his name was Nick, the counselor that did my psychiatric eval, I was supposed to do it on a fr Thursday, and his wife had a baby on Wednesday. So that Wednesday, I get a call, hey, listen, his wife was due in two weeks, but they had it. So your eval has been switched. And it was not a good switch for me. This week, we had an incredible staff training with a discipleship guy who stayed at our house. You know, we were going to be gone on an island last week preaching on the Fisher's Island. So we preached at Fisher's Island Saturday, Sunday, came home to a discipleship training Tuesday, Wednesday, and we left for my psychiatric eval in a huff in two inches of snow at 6.30 on Thursday morning. Right? And... Really, what's amazing about it, I just love, love God, right? Number one, he knew that my psychiatric eval would needed to be for this sermon. Two, we checked into our hotel on Thursday, and when we pulled into the overhang, I looked, and I'm like, man, I never, what's that license plate? It said Chihuahua, Mexico on it. I lived in Chihuahua, Mexico in college when I studied abroad. So I came into the lobby, and I was looking for someone that was from Chihuahua, Mexico. I didn't see anybody that looked like they were from Chihuahua, Mexico. I was excited to see someone from Chihuahua. I wanted to talk to them and ask them if they had some salsa picante in their pocket. But anyway, anyway, I was just waiting in line to check in. And there was this lovely Mennonite family in front of me trying to check in. And all I didn't really hear the conversation. All I heard was, Sorry, I, I don't know what to tell you. Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Can you email somebody? Can you call somebody? Can you email somebody? They just, I'm sorry. And I could just tell that they were very dejected. Now, I stepped up and said, um, and in my mind, I said, you know what? Loon Mountain Ministry has some room in our blessing budget. Coming to the end of the year, we've got some room to bless some people in that budget. And I thought, if they can't get in a hotel room, Loon Mountain Ministry will just buy it for him. So I stepped up and I said, hey, uh, I don't mean to intrude, but what's going on? And, and the lady said, so, uh, these people are, they, they're not able to, their car doesn't work. And I said, oh, I said, here, our church, you know, has a little bit of a budget. We could pay for it. And they looked at me and they go, are you kidding me? I said, no, no, that's awesome. Where are you guys from? They go, Chihuahua, Mexico. <laughs> what in the what? What? This Mennonite family? They said, yeah, we, we, run a, we run a Christian ministry, uh, a campground ministry down in Chihuahua, Mexico, and we're driving all around the country and doing different things, and I, our credit card just is not working. I don't know what's wrong, and we owe you. And I said, no, no, you, no, you, no, you don't. You don't at all. And it was, it was just incredible. So that's what God was doing, which was, which was super cool, and he was doing this too. I just had to share that with you. It was, it was absolutely just amazing. What was also beautiful was the, the family, you know, is kind of reserved, so they were just pretty much like, thank you. Thank you. And then they just kind of like, I got to get out of this awkward situation. So they just bailed, you know, because, you know, me, I'm like, oh, what are you, what's your names? Where are you from? What do you do at that campground? And I lived in Chihuahua, Mexico. Oh, my goodness. They're like, oh, my goodness, this guy's a wacko. You know, <laughs> run away from him. Right. And then I turned around to get my room. And the lady behind there was just like this. I'm like, uh, can I get my room? She goes, sir, are you an angel? I'm like, you haven't talked to my wife. 
or the psychiatric eval guy, because I'm not, you know? And she's like, I, you have restored my hope in humanity. I said, well, don't give me credit. I said, it's all the people that support our ministry. Give them credit. She goes, your ministry? What do you mean? And I'm not kidding you. Right behind her head is a picture four times the size of that TV in this lobby of Echo Lake State Park and Cannon Mountain. I go, I minister on a mountain right next to that mountain. She goes, what do you mean? I go, I'm a ski resort chaplain. And it just was so cool. And it was, it, gosh, she's like, sir, I needed to hear all this today. You, you really have restored my faith. I said, well, praise the Lord. Amen. That's great. And God just works like that. So I, I just really want to quickly read you something from John, 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. This scripture verse says, God is love. C.S. Lewis, the author, the famous author, says, God didn't love you or me because we're lovable. Let me say that again. God didn't love you or love me because we're lovable. God loved you and loves me because God is love. And there's nothing else he can do about it. Because he is love. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. Not of anything that you've done because you could boast. It is a gift, a free gift, of God. There is nothing you have done, Marcus Corey, to merit love from God. And I have to apologize to you. Because what you've seen by my actions is that I am wrestling with the fact that I might not actually believe that. I want to. I do believe the power of the Holy Spirit is within me. I do believe that I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I really will preach that it is not by works, but it is by faith and grace. But then I leave the pulpit when I say that, and what do I go and do? I go and work my fingers to the bone for your approval and your praise. And then I get very grumpy at you when you don't jump. When you don't come and serve. When you don't come and do. I get grumpy. And that ain't cool, folks. If you watch the life of Marcus Corey, you will miss the gospel. You will believe that God loves you based on what you do for the church. You will believe that God loves you based on what you do for your pastor. And that is a lie. A lie. A lie. See, this is the deal. 
The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. There is nowhere in Scripture that says the fruit of the Spirit is church attendance, teaching Sunday school, leading youth group, setting up chairs, making coffee, wiping down tables, making something to eat. You won't find that in Scripture anywhere. Anywhere. Now, with that said, you will find in Scripture that serving the Lord is a beautiful thing. There is nothing wrong with setting up chairs. There is nothing wrong with making food. There is nothing wrong with coffee or teaching Sunday school. Actually, there's a lot of good and beautiful right things about it. And I have to apologize. You've got to hear this from my mouth. If you ever have felt that I don't love you because you don't do for the church, you've got to reject that lie. And I'm sorry that I've lived that way. The only, only hope that I have of loving you is because God first loved me. And I live in that love. And I rest in that love. And that love is a reality to me. But I am broken. Your pastor's a broken man. And the counselor a couple years ago when I was working through my relationship with my sister, she said, you know what your problem is, Marcus? I said, I, there's a lot. What one are you going to tell me about? She says, you want everyone to minister like your parents, and you want everyone to work as hard as your wife and that is not okay. That's not cool. That was a couple years ago. You know what the counselor told me on Friday? He said, if you were to lose your parents, if you were to lose your wife, the sad truth about it, Marcus, is, is your depression, your sadness, would not become from that you lost someone for who they are, but for what they do for you. As a deep, deep, dark truth. Now, praise the Lord, it doesn't just stay there. Because that that's awful. If my sadness from losing my wife, my sadness from losing my parents, is actually rooted in the fact that they are no longer doing for me, that is gross and ugly. Guess what? God is redeeming that. He's been redeeming that for a long time, and he's continually redeeming that. And I've never been able to articulate that before. Because this is also what the counselor said to me on Friday. He beat me up pretty hard. He beat me up pretty hard. I'm glad he did. And he didn't just leave it like this. He said this, Marcus. I don't believe that you are a complete narcissist. Thank you. Thanks. Because if really the only reason why I'm sad that my wife dies or that my parents die is because of what they do for me, that's a complete narcissist. That's awful. He said, here's what's at the bottom of everything in you. He said, you have a desire, a deep, deep, deep desire that's very foundational for all to know and be known by God. 
He goes, that's at your core. And guess what, Loon Mountain Ministry? I can't take credit for that. That didn't come naturally to me. I believe that was embedded deep in me when I gave everything to Jesus. When I said, Jesus, I know what that counselor is saying about me, and he's right. I know what he's saying about me, and he's right. And it's not much to give you. Selfishness, egoism, narcissism, ADHD, childhood trauma. These are all not fun things to give to somebody. Who would, you wouldn't even give that to your enemy. I have a Savior that says, I want him. I want that about you. I want your narcissism. I want your egoism. I want your childhood trauma. I want your ADHD. All of the labels that that counselor gave you, I want them. And not only do I want them, I will redeem them. And by the power of my Holy Spirit, I will do something in your life that no one can point to you and say it was you. Because they can only point to God and say it was him. That's what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. There's nothing that you can point in Paul's life and say that it was him. It was a Savior. And each of you need to experience what I'm experiencing. And there's nothing good that you bring to the table. And your Savior accepts you just as you are, and he wants those. There's no one else that will take those. When I got down on my knee and I asked Heidi Court to marry, well, Heidi Grindall to marry me, I didn't say, Heidi Grindall, would you marry an egotistical, narcissistic, ADHD with wounds as a child? Who says yes to that? No, I tried to put on my best that day. You know what I did that day? We shoveled off a cow pond in the middle of the woods. We put 250 illuminary candle bags in a heart shape. I had pizza delivered on snowmobile. I had friends in the woods shoot fireworks over the pond as we skated. And then I got on a knee. Now you tell me you don't think Marcus has a problem where I want people to love me based on what I do. I got a problem. It worked. <laughs> Winner right here. Folks, I am sorry that you have felt that Loon Mountain Ministry and Marcus Corey and God loves you based on what you do for ministry. That is a lie. Now, hear this. Hear this. When you give God that stuff that I've given him, and he begins to work in your life, he will become the most intimate part of who you are. And he will become the most intimate part of your life. And when God is your intimacy... When God is your true intimacy, the only result is a life of ministry. Hear me, folks. When God is your true intimacy, the only, you can't hold it back. There's nothing you can do if he's truly your intimacy. Now, don't think that you're going to get paid to do it. No. That's vocation. Ministry is living a life that ascribes or gives value to God. And anyone can do that, plumber or preacher. Intimacy begets ministry. 
I am sorry because I've sat here and said, minister, 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 minister. And I haven't given you language of intimacy. So this verses here is a prayer over Solomon. Acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with your whole heart and devotion. For the Lord searches the heart and understands. There's one version that says, know him intimately. So they acknowledge the God of your forefathers. There's one verse that says, and know him intimately. So what I hope that you hear now from the pulpit, I hope that what you hear from your pastor is words of encouragement, words of motivation, words of, of, of action, not to minister, but to be intimate. I want this to be a time where I encourage you to be intimate with your maker. For when you do, it begets ministry. Ministry just comes flowing out. And church should not be a place where I force fruits. Church should not be a place where I force ministry. It should be a place where we get to manage fruit. Holy cow, there's so much fruit coming because all the congregations hanging out with Jesus one-on-one, -on -one, all the congregations hanging out with God one-on-one, -on -one, he's their intimacy. We don't even know what to do with all this fruit. Oh, I know what to do. Share it. Share it with your neighbors. Share it with the town. Share it with the community. Because we are teaching and coaching and helping you be intimate with God. And out of that will flow all kinds of things.